Before we get into today's episode, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know by now, we're here to tell you that hockey has returned to ESPN. The NHL season has started back up, and that means you can stream your team's games on ESPN+. Plus, From the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning to the brand new Seattle Kraken. Subscribe to ESPN Plus so you don't miss a goal. In the crease, the ESPN NHL podcast with Linda Cohn and Emily Kaplan. Welcome to the In the Crease podcast, Emily Kaplan, Linda Cohn, Emily. Still recovering from uh, the Emerald City, another word for Seattle. We both were there at the very same time. We have our stories. And Emily, I'm going to turn it over to you first because I tend to talk longer about my past. So why don't you start with your present? Ooh, that sounded so wise and sage. Poetic. Poetic, I know. Did you watch the season premiere of Insecure? Because that sounded exactly like a quote from it. No, but I'll tell you what I have been back into succession on HBO. I just saw episode two of the season two. Uh, They only come, you know, on HBO Max, M, you know, it only comes out, you know, like Netflix, they'll give you the whole season of you, which I'm also locked into. Obviously, season three. Hello. Who isn't? But I mean, HBO Max. Okay, no, every Sunday, a new episode. So, yeah, I'm into succession, not into insecure to answer your question in a long form. You know, it's funny. My entire family loves succession. Everyone I know loves it. And I just can't get into it. I find them so insufferable as characters. I just it's so cringy to me. Yeah, it happens. And you can find a connection to the characters, but they're fun to hate and they're fun. They're just screwed up. And Emily, not everyone's perfect on TV or on your screens. <sighs> so true. Well, let's talk about some imperfections, Linda. No, honestly, though, the Seattle game, it was just unreal. That building was unlike anyone I've ever been to. I think the coolest thing about it is that it's brand new, but it already has so much character. Like when we walked in for that morning skate and there's this big glass wall on the side and there's the light flooding in, it's this natural light. Like it just felt magical. Yeah, no, I- I, I agree. I mean, uh, I missed the morning skate because I had airplane issues, LAX. I don't want to call out a certain, uh, not even the airline, but it's don't something do it, that Linda, I learned. Don't be that I, won't, I won't do it. Okay. I won't do that. Okay. But I got there in the morning, but went straight to my hotel <laughs> just to make sure I got there safely and could catch up on my sleep. Uh, but no, that place, it was to me, Climate Pledge Arena, uh, huge. It's like the equivalent of SoFi Stadium here in Los Angeles when that thing opened up finally with fans this year for the Rams uh, and of course the Chargers, uh, you know, people were talking about it. It's like, you know, it's a palace. It's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. It's the same adjectives that I heard for Climate Pledge Arena. Of course, they're more environmentally conscious. Maybe you, Emily, you did a whole uh, history uh, piece on it, which was fantastic, which uh, me and Kevin Weeks ran that in one of our intermissions. Uh, but you know how it was built and all that, but maybe not. That's kind of slows us down. I like when we just talk about our experiences. Back to you, Emily. Yeah, you can go check that out online. Well, you come for the podcast well or stories like this. It was funny because I feel like the first two games I had were kind of low event hockey. Um, it just they weren't that super exciting. No games. offense to the teams that you covered. I mean, it was the Penguins and Lightning. The Lightning didn't show up at all, and then it was the Islanders and Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks haven't showed up this season. So correct. I digress. Winless. But this game, I just knew it was going to be a good vibe because I'm sitting there in my perch after warmups. They do the anthem. They do the other anthem. We're about to go for puck drop. And sitting to the left of me is JT Miller of the Canucks. And he just turns over and looks at me and smiles. And he goes, hey, 
pardon for all the bad words I'm about to say. <laughs> and then gets on the ice. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a good one. And I just thought it was so endearing. And honestly, it was a great game. The coolest things about the broadcast is you get these meetings with the coaches beforehand. And, you know, I had known with the Canucks that Connor Garland was on the come up right now. He's a guy that's getting under the skin of everybody. And Travis Green told us that in our pre-broadcast meetings, like watch out for him on the ice. And every time the Kraken were getting off the ice, they were complaining about him. Um, the fans were nagging on him. The other thing that Yanni Gord was really complaining about was the way that JT Miller actually did face-offs, which I think is funny because they were both once Tampa Bay Lightning, but I digress. Yeah, no, that's true. Before you go on, I got to talk about JT Miller, former Ranger, great, now even better. Uh, bad job by Jeff Gordon, the former GM. I'm sorry, I'm calling him out. I hated it when the move was made, when they shipped him off to uh, Tampa. And then, of course, he bloomed in Vancouver. The guy's a, a point-of-game guy, all right? He's it, he's what the Rangers could use right now, by the way. Yeah. Uh, just a remark, and I've always been a big fan of his. He's always a comedian, Emily. When I was covering the Rangers, I mean, <laughs> I remember when he got called up from uh, Hartford, you know, AHL, the Wolf Pack, and he was on the ice for the first time on the practice rink for the Rangers. And he was, you never know he was a rookie. Like he was just fit right in, but not only on the ice of the skills, Emily, it was more about the, the, the personality the tone, yeah. personality, and like, the confidence. All, by the way, uh, you know, he should always be mic'd. I mean, the next time we do a Vancouver game, which hopefully is soon, but I don't, I don't know. I have to look, we'll do our game of the week preview in a second, but you know, um, that guy should be mic'd. Okay. So alert, alert, the, alert the bosses, Emily. I will. I will. Well, I alerted them that Yanni Gord should be mic'd. Um, and that would turned out to be pretty good because he was yappy, especially for JT Miller and those face-offs. He didn't like the positioning of his feet, the fact that he just kept cycling. Um, and then for the next game that I'm doing, which is Vegas versus uh, Colorado, we're making up a Vegas player. And uh, I picked Jonathan Marsha show. I thought Marsha yeah. was the perfect pick. He's going to be yapping the entire game. Yeah, hopefully I have something to yap about. I mean, something positive. But before we jump there. Wait, I have to because, talk about Connor Garland, though. Yeah, I want to go back track. to. Yeah, well, you did. <laughs> right. That was me. Okay. Okay. Connor Garland. Connor Garland. All right. More so, Connor Garland. Then I got to tell my Seattle story and, and my connection with the fans. We'll the people want to hear it. The people are going to get it. But I'm going to talk about Connor Garland because he's this up and coming young American. It's an interesting story because he grew up with Jack Eichel and Ryan Donato. Those were his two best childhood buddies. Not bad. And he got passed over. Exactly. Passed over in his first draft. Undersized. It was at a time where we, you know, we're really saying everyone had to be big and tall and strong and the quickness of the game just wasn't there yet when he was drafted. Anyways, come such a long way. And in the game, I can tell he's just a maniac out there. And the band behind me, because it was a rocking um, atmosphere, was just lacing into him the entire game. And Connor kept taping his stick and <laughs> facing the fan and the fans just yapping at him. And Connor just won't make any eye contact. And then when he finally scores the game winning goal, he skates over to his teammates and then he comes over and he just stares the fan down. Just it honestly was, I said death glare in the first broadcast by Corey Perry. This was even more of a death glare. And I just wanted to give a shout out to our camera crew because they captured the moment and showed it on the broadcast. And it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was well done. Well done by you to find that and pick that out and keep your eye on him. And then well done by uh, our definitely crew, the camera crew have eyes everywhere. And that's what's so cool. You see cameras when you go to these games and we cover them, Emily. They are. It's just so top notch. I mean, it's the production that we have is drones. Yeah, they capture every angle. It's really great. So for me, it was really personal. Um, That's what Seattle means to me before, you know, it was the job I had before being hired at ESPN. When you told me that, that that shook my brain. Like, yeah. What year did you come over again? 
1992, July 1992 was when I started um, at ESPN. So you were one years old, I believe, because you're the same age as my daughter. I'm a 91. Sammy. We're 91. Yes. And, and she was born in Seattle, Grace. That, that's right. She was born in Seattle. Sammy was. And she loves Seattle. We've been there back. We've been back there a couple of times. Uh, but the point is, it was, you know, I, I've been saying this a lot when asked to describe what the Kraken fan was like after our experience there and watching their first home opener and the anticipation and all that, the long way to get a NHL team there, I said grateful. That was the feeling mm-hmm. I got from these fans. They were just very grateful. Of course, they were happy and ecstatic that they're finally, it was happening and the long wait was over. But, you know, there was a, a warm place in their heart. Like they really appreciated it. Uh, because they've been like saying, hey, w- we deserve it, but we hope we get one. They've been teased for so long. Correct. I mean, again, look it up. Well documented. Google it. We won't go into it right here. Uh, but it was nice because uh, a bunch of people who are old enough to remember when I was in Seattle from 1989 to 92, uh, the perch that I was at with the great Kevin Weeks, because we were our intermission host. I'm telling you, Emily, I even texted you during it. I won't go into what I texted you. But the point is this. <laughs> Emily, if, we, if I tell you, you could have just thrown me and Kevin in the middle of the crowd. That's how I feel like the crowd was on top of us. We, they, we were surrounded by them. There were no partitions like you have the plexiglass, mm-hmm. you know, from the players, which it's an adversity. I get it. But the, the fans stopped to get pictures. I thought we were a circus act for a while. I mean, anyone before the game could come in. No one was guarding anything. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea that was what you guys were. I just thought that you oh were trying to gosh. explain to me that Weeks sees the mayor and has to take photos he is with the everyone. Mayor. He is. He also is like a 16-year-old on TikTok. It is impossible to walk with him anywhere. Oh. He has to take videos of it. It's amazing. I, everywhere time I look, he's doing an Insta story. Insta live. You want to do an Insta live with me? Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and also he wore this amazing... Blue suit. He looks sharp. And it stuck out. Sharp. I even asked him, I got two things. One, a uh, lot of compliments for Weeksy on the suit. <laughs> so sure. that was cool. But two, I said, listen, I go, your buds with Hank, Henrik Lundqvist, the great best dressed ever of all time. Um, what does he think of your GQ style? And then Weeksy told me, hey, you know what? Hank likes it. He gives you, gave him a thumbs up. I go, hey, it's all you need. You get the thumbs up from Lundqvist, you're in. Oh, so anyway. Total confidence. Like, yeah. Right. So it was like a, a total great experience. The only thing that stinks um, is the fact, first, it was good. I mean, okay, the place was so, when Vince Dunn scored. Unbelievable. Wow. The boards behind the teams were like waving, shaking. Nice. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and the sounds traveled all the way up to our perch where Kevin and I were. We were up at the top, main concourse level, actually. And uh, it was loud, explosive. I thought, okay, this night's going to go well. And not only that, because the forwards can't score, they got goals from their defensemen. I thought this is what they needed. If the forwards can't score, still waiting for mm-hmm. Everly and Schwartz, just to name two, who have yet to score a goal, and there are more. But, um, you know, it was great. And then, of course, the captain, Giordano, and I thought, this guy's taking a leadership role again. He's doing it on the ice, a real captain. And then, of course, your guy, Connor Garland, you know, just quiets the crowd. I like the, uh, I had issues with Grubauer, two five hole goals, but that's mm-hmm. old news. I won't kill the kid guy. But here's the thing I'd like the Gru chance, Gru, like the, the yeah. fans were into Gru. And the Nirvana goal song. Yeah, Lithium. Love it. That was so smart. And the Washington State yacht goal horn. Yeah, that's a, real a nice goal touch. horn from a ferry. So, th- so they really kicked butt. All right. Are we ready to move on to no. our game? No, we're not. What else you got on I have Seattle? to tell the Seabird story. 
Oh, that's oh yay, Emily. So this is like what a story. <laughs> the producers, our producers, Mike McQuaid, who runs our game production, uh, we had a yes. meeting beforehand, and he said, "Look, the focus of this broadcast is to capture the atmosphere, the buzz for the right. city, history, history. Yes. You know, and there were a lot of celebrities on hand, uh, local cele- uh, Seattle celebrities yes. to you yes. know really heighten this event. So I asked for the list from Steve Mayer from the NHL, and I see and I see yes. Sue Burton. I was like. I would love to talk to Sue Bird. He goes, okay, I'll put you on an email chain. We'll see if it can happen. Legend. Yeah, total legend. Go, a woman who is synonymous with Seattle with sports. Seattle, exactly. Correct. So to my great delight, they're like, yeah, Sue's going to come down to you. I was like, can she come to the benches? So someone comes and brings Sue Bird through Amazing. the Canucks bench after the second period. And people know how difficult that is. That is so difficult to get a human down to in between the benches during a game. Thank you, Seattle. Thank you, Ransom Hatch from the Seattle Kraken for bringing her. And so she's there and it's really cool. And we're going to film an interview and I'm just getting to talk to her. And she's just talking about what it's like to be in this building, what Seattle fans are like. She doesn't matter the sport. They just show up. And unfortunately, we're having some technical issues. So we're just kind of waiting there. And she could not be nicer about it. She's just so sweet. And then I have two monitors in front of me and they're showing the intermission show. And she looks down and she goes, is that Linda? And I said, (laughs) yeah. She goes, Linda's here. And I said, yeah. And I was trying to look for you up. I didn't know exactly what section you were in. She's like, oh my God, I love Linda. And I was like, I know she's the best. And we're talking about how great you are because she says she's watched you for years and whatever. And then we can't get on air because of the technical glitch. And she says, oh, that's such a bummer. All I wanted to say on air was that I love Linda. Oh, I said it on air and I had to share it with you all. It was such, you know, let me tell you, Thank you, Emily. I mean, um, again, I, I, that was really, to me, the highlight of the whole broadcast for me. And that's because of you. And then after, and you were smart, you go, why don't you see, you know, why don't you see if she follows you and then you could DM her. And I like, I never thought about that. Cause I Emily gives her. Linda DM advice. There it is. As we okay, do. The youngster, you know, it's, it was a great tip out of you. I didn't even need Weeksy to say it. He's Mr. TikTok. It's true. You know, you were right on. So um, then I did realize she followed me on Twitter as, of course, I follow her on Instagram and Twitter. And then I DM'd her and I thanked her and, and she was just saying more kind words. So, Emily, um, shout out to you for the shout out to me by Sue Bird. Really appreciate you. You're you're awesome. And that re- again, that really made that night so special. You're awesome. And- but it was just so cool for me to see how she excited she was. She was legitimately excited. Just organic. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is like pretty cool. And uh that means a lot. You know, it really does. That Seattle connection. Just she's such a great human uh, for sure. And a legend, the queen of the Emerald City. I hope Sue she Bird. gets to play in that building, like playing at the old ski arena for so long. Like that well, she is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is she isn't it up in the air this summer of whether she's coming back I or not? I don't think so. OK. Oh, is it? I'm telling you, she should know because we know the storm's playing there. Yeah. We expect. I mean, if I'm Sue Bird. Uh, I'm doing a few more push-ups <laughs> to get ready to play in that building. I mean, just to hang out in that locker room. Oh my, it Come was on. it was just gorgeous. Okay, yeah, so we're happy for her. Okay, now we talk about the game of the week. In my opinion, because I'm here and it's on ESPN, which happens to be on ESPN, and you happen to be in between the benches for it. Yeah, Tuesday night. Colorado Avalanche are hosting the Vegas Golden Knights. And typically we get so excited for these games because they're like, these guys hate each other. They've got the playoff experience from last year. And I think it's going to have that intensity, but the teams aren't like, these are the two teams that I think everyone thought would emerge out of the West. 
and the Avs are doing fine, but the Golden Knights decimated by injuries, like missing two, probably their two best forwards in Pacioretty and, um, no, they are their two best forwards. They like account for 40% of the goals. Plus Alex Tuck's not there. Alex Tuck and Zach Martinez, every Martinez, sig- everybody. Every game I've watched from them so far, it's been Robin Lanner being like totally keeping them in it. And they're just being bombarded by shots. And the other thing about them is that I wonder, because this is a team that's never faced any adversity in their entire existence. I think this is like the first time they've ever been on a five-game losing streak, potentially. So I'm curious to see how they withstand this. Yeah, if they lose to Colorado, it'll be five in a row. They've already lost four in a row for the first time under Pete DeBoer. Okay, so that's his first four-game losing streak. Remember, when Gerard Gallant back in the day had a four-game losing streak, he was fired. Just kind of let that They're not in firing brain. Peter DeBoer. I know they're not. They love Peter DeBoer, but, and that's fine. I'm just giving you history. No, it's interesting fact. context. Yeah, yeah. And also, um, he has an excuse, okay? He gets a free pass. DeBoer, I'm yeah. talking about, because of the injuries you mentioned. Um it does expose their lack of depth, Emily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, because as I mentioned, those two guys, Stone and Pacioretty, account for most of the scoring. Uh, and, you know, they're like the, you know. The- and Alex Tuck isn't there either. He's a lot of scoring. Right. Absolutely. So um, that's an issue. Now, when you look at the Avalanche, you know, I'm still waiting for my Hart Trophy uh, winner to be Nathan McKinnon <laughs> to get going. That team has enough talent. They have their captain back. Uh, their goaltending hasn't been the issue. And speaking of goaltending, here's the other thing I want to get back to your guy, Robin Leonard. Mm-hmm. He's been great. Yeah. This is not on him. Uh, I'm concerned that he might break down. He's, he's played every stinking game. We are not even, what, three weeks in? Yeah. This is bad. Uh, this is a guy that, as you know, Emily, uh, isn't used to, has never really had major experience of being the number one, like playing 65 games a season mm-hmm. you're on record to playing him 65 not you emily but the big <laughs> golden Knights on record by playing him like 65 games a season that's not going to work that could be an issue worth watching back to colorado um i don't know what that issue is there but if they don't get it going that's that's not good i mean they're obviously not in the easy pacific division they're in the right. very difficult uh central division and with the blues getting off to such a fantastic start as we speak one of the unbeaten teams um, you know, you can't mess around in the central. That's why the Blackhawks are in big trouble because they have yet to win a game as we speak. Uh, they're not, they're also not in the Pacific division. They're in the central. This is points are big. I told you last time, you know, they matter in October, just as much as they matter in March. It's so true. And like a team like the blues who I had no expectations for the fact that they have gotten to such a hot start is so important. And I think of the golden Knights and I'm like, you know, all they need to do is just withstand this period without Pacioretty, um, without Mark stone, but like maybe be a 500 team, but then it's going to get down to the push at the end where they have to win out. And I think they can be that second half team, but it's not fun to put yourself in that position. Correct. All they do is have to get in. And again, playing in that division, they will. Mm-hmm. They'll figure it out. They'll take one of those spots. Um, so uh, that game, which you'll be at in between the benches, can't wait. I'll be doing cut-ins. Um, hopefully that won't take away from your airtime like it did last week. But doing I mean, so many games around the league, so I'll be doing, you'll hear my voice through that game. And there's a Sharks-Predators game on ESPN Plus, also Tuesday night, uh, which is great. Uh, then the rest of the week, Wednesday and Thursday and Friday, I'll be hosting the best hockey highlight show in the biz. It's called In the Crease, same name as this podcast, and it's on ESPN Plus nightly. What are you up to after the big event in Denver? Going home, Linda. I can't wait to go home. <laughs> but Wednesday night in Chicago, I'm t- like, 
you know, with this job, we watch so much hockey and it's great and I love yes. it, but like sometimes it's easier just to watch at home if you don't have to be at a game. But the of Maple course. Leafs are in town Wednesday night to play the Chicago Blackhawks and it's two train wrecks. Oh. And I kind of just want to go to be a bystander because something's going to have to budge. And I think that might be a fun game. Yeah, I think they will remain a train wreck. I know as we speak, it is on a Monday. They play and say hello to their good friend, Freddie Anderson, who will start for Carolina, who, oh, by the way, is also unbeaten and taking on Toronto. I'm telling you, that game, I if I was a betting person back on Saturday, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who had nobody but AHL players, basically, in their lineup on Saturday, Chris Letang was in COVID protocol. We already know about Crosby and Malkin and half the rest of the team, it, I, I'm telling you, and you had Toronto coming off uh, an embarrassing loss the night before, I would have thought Toronto would have won 7-1, to one. not the Penguins beating Toronto 7-1. to one. That's a big issue there. I'm anxious to see by the time you see them in Chicago from your couch, <laughs> see where they're at. I mean, that, well, I that's what go. we'll talk about in the next episode. But, you know, it's just amazing. You're The big boys got to make big plays big money guys, and you know their names, Marner and Matthews, it's just not happening enough. Um, and it's just, it doesn't, in hockey, it can't be just two guys. We see it with Vegas. Those two guys are out. In Edmonton, they're unbeaten. It's more, they have shown, even though Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl off to a great start, they have been getting goals from others. I like what I'm seeing with the Oilers. I think that will continue, but these teams I mentioned, Toronto and, of course, Vegas, they got to figure this out. Um, but Toronto, what a, what a, you know, what show we'll see how that plays out. Um, I've got to say sure. now that I've started to make calls of like the scuttlebutt in the league of, you know, our coach is going to get fired. Our GM is going to get fired. It seems like this could be a year where there just are no early coach firings. And I think a lot of that has to do Wait, with the financials. A lot of it has to do with the financials because teams are crunched so much in the last two years. They don't want to pay two coaches at once. Um, wow. And I do think that will influence them. But the one team that I'm starting to hear a lot of scuttlebutt on, though, is Toronto. Be Colleton. Oh, more than Colleton in Chicago? The issue with Colleton in Chicago. And I talked. I know they just extended him, right? Yeah. And it's not even that because he doesn't make a ton of money. And I think they could eat it. Um, like in the grand scheme of coaches, I think he's under $2 million. But um, the thing there is that they, Stan Bowman got to hire Jeremy Colleton, right? And that yep. was his guy. He, I don't know if he'll get an opportunity to hire a second guy. And Stan's belief, I know, in talking to huh. people around him and talking to him in the past, is that if he fires Jeremy Colleton, he's just looking for the next Jeremy Colleton. He loves Jeremy Colleton and he doesn't think his team is at the level yet where they need a Mike Babcock or a John Tortorella to win because they still view them in this rebuild, even though none of their moves moves this summer, like right. we talked about we last talked episode. We talked about that already. Right, right, right. Yes. Reflect that. So. My sense there is if we see any changes, it's going to have to be from ownership and that's changing the management rank. So monitor that also just monitor Toronto. Cause that's what everyone in the league wants to gossip about what's going on there. I'm also monitoring Jared Bednar in Colorado. That can't continue. That's he's on my list. He's having some contract talks with them about extending, about getting a contract extension. Well, we better get that team sparked and going. Cause uh, I know it's early, but I told you, come on, come on, Colorado. Come on. It's time. Linda, before we yes. let you go, laughter permitted with Julie Fowdy. She loves to laugh. And it's back with yes. season six from incredible conversations such as with your girl, five-time Olympic gold medalist and four-time WNBA champion, Sue Bird, again, big fan of Linda Cohen, to gold medalist Jordan Larson to insights from Julie's life on and off the field. Check out Laughter Permitted wherever you get your podcasts. And honestly, 
Julie Thaddy was one of my favorite soccer players growing up. I love the 1999 World Cup team. So I love her podcast and she's funny and she likes to laugh. And I love that title. Who's responsible for that title? I don't know. Are you jealous? I, I, I absolutely adore it. For, my, for our next podcast, one day I'm going to have a podcast and my title will be Who's Responsible? Because I say that all the time. <laughs> and do. I like blaming people, don't I? I mean, that would no. be great, right? You want to get in on that? I mean, no, you know, I've, I've loved some of the Maybe things. that will be our off season podcast yeah what is the other thing that you say that i love hold on to hold um, on stand by to oh, stand, yeah, stand by. by to stand by yeah a little story about stand by to stand by you know when you're doing late night sports centers back in the day when you were six years old and i was going and doing uh, from bristol connecticut you're not getting out of it till three in the morning eastern time and we would make jokes because we would never get out of it till three in the morning and our director at the time a lovely woman named barbara barbara okay she would always say stand by. And then our running joke, whoever I was a co-anchor with, stand by to stand by. Usually when you say stand by, Emily, it's usually like just a few seconds, maybe 10 seconds, the most 30 seconds. This stand by by Barbara, the director, lasted 20 minutes each time she said stand by. So that was the running joke of stand by to stand by. Now that I know the story, it makes so much sense, but I still love when you say it. It honestly sounds like a Yogi Bearism to me. <laughs> that sounds good. If there's a fork in the road, Emily, take it. Okay, well, you know the story behind that because- That's my favorite one. He lived in Montclair, which is the town I grew up in. And the story there is that he was giving directions to somebody to get to his house for a dinner party. <laughs> and there's a fork in the road. And neither, it doesn't matter which, if you go right or left, it leads to the same place, which is his house. So when you come to the fork in the road, just take it. But obviously it. it has a double meaning and it's pretty good. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. I did not know that. Now you know. Emily bringing it. Thank you, Em. You're welcome, Linda. <laughs>